Hey folks, Andy Patton here. We are doing our second mailbag episode of the week, Monday focused on the Arkansas game and how Gonzaga handles physicality. Today's episode, we are talking about the future of the program, who is staying, who is going, what things could look like during the 22-23 season, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day, especially now as we get into the offseason for Gonzaga's basketball programs. Also want to thank all of you who have checked out the show on YouTube. It is one of the fastest growing YouTube channels on the Locked On Podcast Network. So tremendous shout out to all of you who have checked the show out on that platform. All right, today is the second mailbag episode of the week. Tons of questions coming in after Gonzaga's early exit against Arkansas last week. Totally understandable. People want to know about the future of the program. Can Gonzaga handle the types types of teams that have continued to beat them? We talked a lot about that on Monday's show. Now we're looking towards the future. First segment, we're answering questions about the future of the guards in this program. This first question comes from Mike Miller at MillerMike123 on Twitter. He says, Assuming Nemhart is gone, what does a commitment from Anthony Black do for next year's squad? And I guess as a follow-up, who's the most likely person on the current squad to step up and fill a big role? Obviously, we don't know the specifics of who's leaving yet, but it will probably be at least one guard and one big. Yeah, part of the reason I pushed some of this future stuff to the Tuesday episode was so we could see what was going to happen with Anthony Black. Unfortunately, for those of you who were paying attention to this on Monday, Anthony Black has opted to not attend Gonzaga. He is attending Arkansas. It is the second time the Razorbacks have really stung the Zags in the past week. Uh, he had a couple teammates or friends who are playing in the McDonald's All-American game who are also going to Arkansas. I have no idea how much Gonzaga's loss to Arkansas impacted his decision. I suspect very, very little. I do not think that he or anybody would stake that much uh power and influence over their career and where they're going to play basketball on one Sweet 16 game. It seems unlikely. Whether that means he was always planning to go to Arkansas, whether it means he flipped for a different reason, none of it ultimately matters. He went to Arkansas. That's where he's choosing to go. He's not coming to Gonzaga. That's okay. That's okay. Gonzaga's not going to get every recruit. I know that it stings after a game like the one that Gonzaga lost to lose a six foot seven combo guard who is big, who is physical, who fits a lot of the things that Gonzaga really needs to have on their roster to be successful. He would have answered a lot of those questions. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So to look at this a little bit more, the most likely person on the current squad to step up and fill a big role. I think there's going to be a handful of people asked to do that. And I think this is somewhat reminiscent of after the 2018-2019 season. That was the year the Zags also lost uh, as a number one seed. They lost to Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. That team lost Josh Perkins. They lost Zach Norvell. They lost Rui Hachimura. They lost Brandon Clark. All four of those players, four starters on that roster, departed. The only starter who remained was Corey Kispert. But Killian Tilly was on that roster. Joel Iyayi stepped up after having been 
virtually a non-factor in his career up to that point. The Zags went out and added Ryan Woolridge and Admon Gilder as transfers who were immediately eligible to play on that team. And lo and behold, that team was the number one ranked team in the country when the season ended in 2020 because of COVID. So Gonzaga has asked multiple players to step up before, and it has been successful. This year's team has two five-star guards who played a limited role on the roster, Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas. When you look at the development that Gonzaga has successfully done with so many other players in the program, the optimism surrounding these two guys should be very, very high. We don't want to put a ton of pressure on them. (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to do here, and that's not what I necessarily want the fan base to expect them to immediately be the best two guards in the country next year, but they're going to be very, very good, and both of them are going to step into bigger roles. Uh, Obviously, Dominic Harris is is a bit of a wild card in that situation, a guy we haven't seen very much of in his two years at Gonzaga because of injury. Uh, assuming he sticks around, I think he's going to be a big piece next year as well. And then even in the front court, we'll talk more about the front court in the second segment, but you got Ben Gregg, you got Caden Perry. Obviously, there was some injury stuff with Caden. Ben, I think, arguably didn't develop the way that many people had hoped he would and into that fourth big role uh, for this team this year. But both of those guys have the opportunity to play a lot more minutes next year, depending on what happens with some of the front court players. But I think that Gonzaga is going to supplement with a transfer portal. They have been very, very successful at that in every year that, that, that I can remember. They've been very good about that. Uh, and I think that they're going to expect some more production from some of their bench guys this year. And I think ultimately we're going to see a lot of guys step up and play really well in this absence. Next question comes from Theodore via Gmail. Theodore says, my question for you is about next year's guards. Assuming none of them leave, Gonzaga has Dominic Harris, Nolan Hickman, and Hunter Salas on the roster. Who do you think will be the starting guards next year out of these threes? Or do you think we will get Anthony Black, keep Nembhard or Bolton, etc.? Just interested in your thoughts on Gonzaga's guards. Again, to, for both Mike and Theodore, obviously these questions came in before the Anthony Black news. So no Anthony Black. I'm going on record and have gone on record as saying I'm very, I would be very surprised if either Andrew Nembhard or Rasir Bolton return. Uh, they both can. So it's certainly not a 0% chance that they come back. I think it's possible. I think both of them might feel unfinished business. We know in particular that Bolton has absolutely loved his time in Spokane. He's helped out with the community. He's talked at length about how much that has meant to him. Not to say Andrew Nimpart has not loved his time here, too. We just we have a lot of data about Rasir Bolton really being a big fan of, of the area. So perhaps one of those guys will stay. Perhaps both of them will stay. I think that's extremely unlikely. I would expect to go into the season with Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas as your two starting guards with Dominic Harris playing a lot of minutes off the bench, potentially starting in three-guard lineups. I think there's the possibility that the Zags have a much smaller lineup next year, especially if Drew Timmy leaves. I think you could see Julian Strother playing a lot of his minutes at the four. You could see a rotation at the five of potentially Anton Watson, potentially Gregor Perry, potentially a, a graduate trans or a transfer who, who can step in and play big minutes at the center spot. Uh, you're going to lack some rim protection in lineups like that, so we'll see if they want to do it. But if they get another guard, which I suspect that they will, somebody on the transfer portal, I'm thinking a, a Gino Crandall, Aaron Cook type. I, I don't know if they're going to go out and try to pursue a really high-level guard because they have high expectations for Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman and their ability to step up and be the starting backcourt combination. And Dom, I think, is somebody they're going to rely upon a lot. 
to play big minutes. So they don't need to go get, you know, the best point guard on the on the uh, transfer portal. They may instead go out and get a supplemental player who can just kind of help fill some of those those roles. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the guard rotation shakes out. Again, I think the front court is going to make an impact in that regard on whether Julian Strother's playing some small ball four, whether he's playing some three, kind of how, how that ends up shaking out. But uh, the Zags got some work to do to, to figure out what that backcourt's going to look like before the season starts. Next question comes from Stephen DeWitt at S underscore DeWitt 11 on Twitter. He says, where will our three-point shooting come from next year? It's it's uh, obviously too early to tell. Uh, I think <laughs> I don't want to answer every question that way, but it's it is clear that the roster is going to change somewhat significantly between today and you know late October when the season starts. Uh, right now, I would expect Dominic Harris to be one of their primary outside shooters. Uh, he was a great outside shooter coming out of high school. He shot well in a very limited sample size as a freshman. Uh, he did not play last year, obviously, so it's a bit harder to know what you know what his development has looked like behind the scenes and how healthy he is we know that he's very healthy at this point and ostensibly could have played in these last few games I don't know the exact situation there but it seemed like he was pretty close uh, so hopefully he's fully healthy going into next year uh, I think he's the kind of guy who could knock down 40 percent of his threes and be like a legit knockdown shooter type Julian Strother could very easily return he's probably the biggest 50-50 for me him and Drew Timmy are the big question marks in terms of who's coming back, who's staying. Strother shows up on a lot of draft boards. I know he did not have a good performance in the NCAA tournament, which is likely going to hurt his draft stock and potentially make it more likely that he returns to Gonzaga. So if he comes back, he's got to be more consistent. He was fairly inconsistent at times last year, but this is also a guy who shot nearly 40% from three, even when he was inconsistent. So I know that the the, the recent memories of him are not good, but Julian Strother is a very, very good three-point shooter, and him and Dom could each be 40% guys. Uh, Nolan Hickman shot 39% through his first like 19 games in college and then trailed off fairly significantly after that. I think fatigue set in. I think he was adjusting to playing a full college basketball season after playing high school seasons, which are much shorter. But again, I think he's a guy who can shoot it really well too. So I actually think three-point shooting on next year's roster might not be a huge issue depending on who they find in the transfer portal, depending on a guy like Ben Gregg, who I think is their most likely candidate to be a good outside shooting big man next year. But I just don't know how much he's going to play. That depends on what else happens in the front court. Uh, Same with Braden Huff, who... He's coming in as a true freshman. I don't expect him to have a big role as a true freshman next year, but he's lauded as a guy who can really shoot it from beyond the arc as well. Last question of the segment comes from Brian Mary at Zag on Twitter, who says, Who do you feel will be able to take over games next season at the guard spot in the same way that Nigel and Jalen were able to when they were called upon? Yeah, so this is a big need for this team. It's something they didn't have on, on this past season's roster. Uh, And when they got stuck, when the half-court offense wasn't working, they didn't have somebody who could just go get a bucket. Obviously, Drew Timmy, phenomenal scorer, and they could go to him. But when you you want a guard who can just get downhill, who can draw contact, who can get to the free-throw line, or who can finish through that contact and get a bucket. Jalen Suggs, phenomenal at that. One of the best playmakers, if not the best playmaker Gonzaga has ever had. Nigel Williams-Goss, same thing. These guys do not grow on trees. They are not easy to find. Gonzaga, I don't know that they have one on their current roster, and I don't know that they just go find one. It's really difficult to find guys like this. You know, Nigel Williams-Goss is one of the top point guards in the entire country when he came to Gonzaga. Jalen Suggs, obviously number six overall recruit, uh, got selected fifth in the draft. Like, these guys are really hard to find. Salas and Hickman are obviously both really talented guards who are going to step into bigger roles. I don't know that either of them are take-over-the-game type scorers. Salas could be. 
he could be. He needs to be a better outside shooter, and I think that that's something that we saw him steadily improve throughout the year, and he will likely continue to improve as the season goes on. He's athletic enough, he's strong enough to get into the paint to cause some problems that way. He's a little bit out of control. He's a freshman. That stuff happens. I think he has the best chance of being that guy on this team, but I think that there's it. we might be looking at another year where they don't have a Jalen Suggs type because Jalen Suggs types are not on every roster every year. They're really, really hard to find. Salas would be my best bet for the guy who might do that next year unless they go out and try to get one of the top tier guards on the transfer portal and can convince them to come to Spokane. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to discuss the front court and a few other NBA draft Zag roster related topics. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pickums. Pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that does not rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they have Dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on for a 100% match. All right, segment two. So Eddie Patton still locked on Zags, still looking ahead to the future for this Gonzaga men's basketball program now that the season is officially over. This segment will focus more on the bigs and the front court. The first question is another one from Stephen DeWitt at S underscore DeWitt 11 on Twitter. He says, will Timmy be coming back? I do not know. (laughs) That is the simplest answer. I have speculated on this podcast a handful of times. Uh, I have leaned towards him coming back. I am still probably 60-40 that he is going to return. Uh, It's a very interesting situation. Again, one that I have talked about and will talk about when we do draft profiles for some of these guys as the offseason goes on. Uh, But the quick and dirty is his game is just not modernized to the NBA game. He's not a switchable big in the pick and roll. He's not a good outside shooter. He's not a great rim protector. He's a very, 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 very skilled low post scorer, but that's not a highly coveted skill in the modern NBA. That has not changed. So he is not he has not done anything to improve his draft stock. Last year he was considered maybe a second round pick. This year it looks even less likely that he is going to be a second round pick. Does that mean he comes back? He can earn money through NILs. We already know that he has in the six figures in that conversation. He's also said that money is not a driving factor for him in his decision-making. That does not necessarily tell us one thing either way. Uh, I think him coming back, being a four-year guy, one of the most hated players in college basketball, cementing his legacy as an all-time great Zach, even though he already has done so, is pretty appealing. And doing it while making money, while being a brand ambassador for Dollar Shave Club, for the casino, all of that stuff is a pretty good deal as opposed to 
maybe making a you know playing in the summer league, maybe playing getting a two way contract, being a G League guy. Like those are the, those are the likely outcomes for him. Or of course he could go to Europe, and none of that is is bad for the record or or wrong uh, or anything like that. If he wants to to make that decision and play professional basketball, which has probably been his dream since he was a kid, that is great. Absolutely, go ahead and do that. But I don't know that coming back is going to increase. His ability, his draft stock, or his likelihood of being an NBA player. So that's a factor as well. It's like if I come back, am I gonna, you know, move the pendulum in, in some significant way? We, you know, a lot of people like to use the Corey Kispert example. That's not going to be the reality for Drew Timmy unless he comes back and hits 45% of his threes all of a sudden, which just seems unlikely. So he's in an interesting spot. I don't know what decision he's going to make. It would obviously be tremendously huge for the Zags if he could come back, reestablish himself as a National Player of the Year candidate, which he would be, uh, and become one of the greatest statistical Zags uh, of all time. Next question comes from Isaac Robertson at irobertson underscore two on Twitter, who says, if Chet and Timmy leave, who will lead the front court next year? Will they try to get a big man from the portal? How do they prepare to prevent another lackluster performance in the tournament? Okay, uh, two different topics here. We'll take them both one by one. Uh, number one, uh, even, yeah, the Zags are going to pursue a, a big man in the transfer portal. Uh, even if Drew Timmy returns, I think they may look for a big man in the transfer portal. We'll see uh, if Drew Timmy returns. They have Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, Braden Huff. So that's a pretty that's a pretty big front court already. That's five guys that they probably want to find minutes for. So maybe in that situation they wouldn't pursue a big in the transfer portal. But if they lose Drew and Chet and you're looking at Watson, Perry, Greg, Huff, I think at that point you're going to go find somebody on the transfer portal. There are already a lot of good bigs in the transfer portal. There are going to be more good bigs in the transfer portal. The Zags have had a ton of success finding big men in the transfer portal. Think Kyle Wilcher, think Jonathan Williams, think Brandon Clark. Like This has been an area of success for this program. So I think that they're going to do that quite heavily. We've already connected them to a handful of players. Fardaz Imak from... Utah Valley is averaged 19 points, 14 rebounds last year for the Wolverines. He has already been in contact with Gonzaga. There's reportedly interest on both sides. We will see if that comes together. It probably depends on what happens with Drew Timmy. Uh, but yeah, I think that they have some work to do in the front court as well, but uh, it kind of depends on Drew Timmy's decision-making. In terms of lackluster performance, I, I kind of I think that's a bit of a red herring in the sense of uh, another lackluster performance. Yeah, they've had multiple lackluster performances, but this is the first one in kind of a while. Like, they went to the national championship last year. The year before that, there was not a tournament in 2019. They went to the Elite Eight. Yes, they lost to a, a seed that was lower than them, but they went to the Elite Eight. So, like, I don't I don't think that they're having these lackluster performances every single year in the NCAA tournament. I know that that's definitely what the national narrative is. Um, I think it's a, a bit misleading. Um, but, yeah, the, Monday's episode discussed a lot of what Gonzaga needs to do to avoid uh, those matchups against those big physical teams that have seemed to cost them a lot in March. Uh, we didn't come to a full conclusion because if we did, we would probably be getting paid a lot more money to help this basketball program. But ultimately, Gonzaga, the the pace that they run at, the the lack of physicality in the conference play, those things do probably hurt them when they get into March, and they probably need to find ways to make adjustments, whether it's prioritizing the half-court offense a little bit more, uh, whether it's priori- prioritizing a different type of recruit, whatever it may be, there are some adjustments that need to be made for this team to get over the hump. Final question of the second segment is from Jimmy Brown at J Brown Buzz City on Twitter. He says, with all the talk of who stays or who goes, looking back over the past decade or so, which Zag made the worst decision? 
I nominate Zach Norvell. Everybody loves to dunk on Zach Norvell, man. Everybody loves to do it. I'm going to tell you right now, my answer to this question, without a doubt, immediately wrote it down, was Elias Harris. And I know that that's taking, that's kind of flipping the question on its head a little bit. But for me, in the pre-NIL era, before college athletes could make money, it was never a bad idea to leave early, ever. The NCAA robbed these kids of the ability to profit off of who they are. These are kids, and I don't know Norvell's entire story. I do not. I know that he's from Chicago. That is the extent of what I know. But he probably wanted to make some money for his family. And he went out and did that. Yes, he did not stick in the NBA. And it is a bummer because I think he is talented enough to do so. Yes, had he stayed in college, there is an opportunity that he he could have potentially... He could have potentially built up his draft stock, become a a better basketball player in college, and had a more successful career, potentially sticking longer in the NBA. I'm not going to disagree with any of that. Zags also saw a tremendous emergence from Joel Eiei the following year, so perhaps Norvell would have stalled out. Perhaps, you know, there's always an injury risk that could have happened. Uh, He could have not had a good of a performance, and he would have been older. He would have been another year without making any money, and he wouldn't have been a whole lot closer to his dream. That is the risk that you take, and that's what happened with Elias Harris. Elias Harris was a first-round pick after his freshman year. Every mock draft that existed at the time in 2009 had Elias Harris going in the first round or at least in the mid-second round. Elias Harris came back to Gonzaga, and he had three more great years in a Gonzaga uniform. He's one of the greatest scorers and rebounders in the school's history, but he aged out. The projection that these teams had for him is like, oh, he's going to project into a really good outside shooter. He's going to be a 3 and D wing at the next level. Those things didn't happen, and he, he didn't get worse. He just did not improved dramatically as a collegiate player. His best seasons were his freshman year and his senior year. And after his senior year, he did not get drafted. He played two games in the NBA. Elias Harris, his decision to not leave after his freshman year potentially cost him a lengthy or at least multiple year NBA career. So that was the worst decision. I don't like this game all that much uh, because I I think that everybody makes a decision based on what is best for them. And sure, decisions may not work out, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it was the bad decision at the time. I would rather be in Zach Norvell's shoes playing playing professional basketball earlier in my life than in Elias Harris's shoes and wondering if I should have left earlier and potentially carved out a career that way. All right, third segment coming up. We're sticking with the future theme of the episode. We're going to discuss the WCC. We're going to discuss Gonzaga's path back to the Sweet 16. But before we get there, let's talk about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this week. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all things betting and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock should you be so inclined to bet on it. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still 
Locked on Zags still answering listeners submitted questions for Mailbag Tuesday this week. Two mailbags before we get into our season in review series talking about every player on the roster and how they did this past season. This next question comes from Mike Curtis at Upper95215 on Twitter. He says, do the Zags extend the Sweet 16 streak to eight years next year? I do not know. (laughs) Unfortunately, I cannot tell you the future on that. I don't think that I would want the ability to tell you the future on that because where's the fun in watching the season if we know how it's going to end? Uh, I'll say this. I don't think that the, and I talked about this already in the first segment, so I won't go all the way over it again here. I'm not as down on potentially next year's roster. I know it sucks to A, lose early in the tournament, and B, know that you're not getting back a a guy like Chet Holmgren. You're probably losing your two starters in the backcourt and Andrew Nempard. And Rasir Bolton, you're potentially losing Drew Timmy. That could be four starters. There's the the possibility that Julian Strother also leaves as well, which would leave you without all five of your starters. That is scary. I'm not going to say that it's not scary. Gonzaga's lost multiple starters before and turned around and been the number one team in the country the next year. I think that they have the ability to do that again. Uh, I'm not... We'll have to see how the roster shakes out. I don't know. Uh, this It's tough. It's tough to, to predict whether the team's going to make the Sweet 16. I don't know if they're going to be a number one seed again. Number one seeds have the easiest path to getting to the Sweet 16, obviously. Uh, but Gonzaga has proven they're very, very good at winning those first couple games in the NCAA tournament. So I'm far, far from counting them out for being back in the Sweet 16 next year. Next question comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says, The changing landscape of the WCC with the departure of Todd Golden and BYU, how do you see the changing landscape of the conference? As positives, I see the emergence of the Portland Pilots as a potential good sign. The sustainability of the WCC surge is an interesting one to ponder and discuss. Yeah, we're going to have a lot more conversations about the WCC as the offseason unfolds, as we see how these teams do in the transfer portal, certainly as we see if any other coaching changes happen. Um, Losing BYU hurts. uh, The replacement in the conference, whomever it may be, uh, is likely not going to be as good basketball-wise as BYU. I would be surprised if they found a perennial top 40 team per Ken Palm uh, to replace them. There's, they, they, there's just not a lot of those teams that are looking for conferences. The teams that are potentially looking for conferences are teams in the WAC, maybe teams in the Big West who don't have football. Uh, and some of those teams are fine. Like Grand Canyon has been discussed a lot. You know, maybe you got Santa Barbara out there. Like there's a couple of teams that have been discussed that I think make a little sense, but they're not as good as BYU. So that'll be an interesting conversation to see. Obviously, the conference losing a coach like Todd Golden hurts. Golden's being replaced by one of his assistants, so I don't think things will change too much at San Francisco. Uh, it's cool to see Shantae and UP take a big step forward. Uh, that that emergence is not nearly enough to replace BYU and Todd Golden. <laughs> I don't know that they have kind of ascended to that level yet. Uh, we will see what ends up happening I think the conference is doing a good job of getting good, young, hungry coaches, which is something that I wanted to see them do more of instead of getting the old cast-offs with no disrespect to Lorenzo Romar or guys like that. But when those guys coach these jobs, they're kind of cushy. They're in a nice location. They don't necessarily have a ton of pressure on them. So they're not necessarily as inclined to like really push the program forward a way that a Todd Golden, who desperately wants to get like a high major job, he did a phenomenal job and he turned it into a position at Florida. So more coaches like that is good. It means we're going to see more turnover in the coaching ranks, I think. If Shantae leads UP to a top three finish this year or a top five finish this year and a top five finish again next year, 
he's going to start getting getting some attention for some other jobs. And that's great for him. And there's nothing wrong with that. I would rather UP hire somebody like that than, you know, Terry Porter, for example. But it's just frustrating because it makes it seem difficult to see how how sustainable that progression necessarily is. Again, lots more WCC talk as the offseason goes on and we get a better sense of what some of these rosters look like. But I do think that the growth potential is still there. It's just it's an uphill battle. Next question comes from Stephen DeWitt on Twitter. He says, will we ever see international recruits at GU again? Uh, probably <laughs> ever is a really strong word to use. Um, I don't think that Gonzaga is done recruiting internationally. Obviously, Tommy Lloyd was the primary person doing a lot of the international recruiting. I think the international recruiting has fallen down at Gonzaga, not just because of Lloyd's departure. He has only been gone for one year, but because the domestic recruiting ticked up in such a significant way that Gonzaga did not need to go find international players in order to be successful. They found guys like Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren and Julian Strother and Dominic Harris and Braden Huff and, and so on and so forth. And so they haven't needed to supplement with with you know the, the the more unknown players internationally, the guys like DeMontis Sabonis and Killian Tilly and further back Roni Turioff and, and whatnot. So I, I don't think that that Tommy leaving was the only reason Gonzaga stopped recruiting internationally. They had stopped recruiting internationally prior to that. And I think that we're gonna see them mostly focus on kids here and the transfer portal because that's just kind of the way college basketball is moving. International recruiting has become less of a big thing because the transfer portal makes it so much easier to supplement talent immediately on your roster. Final question of the show comes from Christian. Christian says, where do we go from here? What if you weekly had a former player in a spotlight episode? Many amazing stories to share from Frank Burgess to Richie Fromm. Some former players you could get on the show as guests. I got a lot of ideas for off-season content. I don't want folks to be worried about what I'm thinking to do for the offseason. We got a lot of time between now and late October. There's going to be a lot of podcasts between now and then, uh, but I'm, I got plenty of ideas. Where are they now? Episodes about specific former Zags and what they've been up to since they left is definitely something on the list. Uh, getting former players onto the show now that we're out of season and a lot of them are a little bit less busy. Absolutely. Those are all good ideas. If you have more ideas, things you want to hear me talk about, uh, feel free to send them to me. You can reach out to me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. You can email me AndyPattons013 at gmail.com. You can also reach out on Twitter at LockedOnZags. And that's going to do it for us for today. We are kicking off our season in review series later this week. So check back for that individual episodes on every player on Gonzaga's roster, how they did this year, how they did compared to my preseason expectations for them and what their future holds. All of that coming up right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Again, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you to all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. With the college basketball season wrapping up, Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests prepare for the NBA Draft. Hear their thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.